granddad, a dad, or a future dad, if we're male here today. It's awesome, isn't it, eh? There's always a place, you know, and there's always, every one of us here is someone's son or daughter. So you can't get away from the fact, we can't get away from dads. They're with us to stay. Part of God's plan. Dads are with us to stay. So everyone here will have a dad who's alive or dead or somewhere in between. Uh, Every one of us has got a father who's had impact in our life. So no matter what age we are here today, we're either a dad or a granddad or a potential dad, or we've been influenced by dad, been influenced by dad. And I want to just talk a little bit about that. I want to just share something just to really encourage us and help us. Father's Day is a much more difficult uh, day to talk about than Mother's Day. Mother's Day, everyone's happy about Mother's Day. When we talk about Father's Day, there's a bit of a sort of a, there's a mixture. I'm glad there's a great generation of new dads coming up who really got a hold of God and they're an answer to this world's problems. Are you glad for a whole new generation of dads coming up? Man, I think they're awesome. We've got a whole heap of them here. Man, I sat around a table at breakfast there and we got, I looked around, there's about 10 guys there and they're all super dads, all of them, without exception. Because uh, all of them have got families, stable families, and all of them are committed to invest in their kids. And I think, man, this is what our nation needs, this is what our community needs, is more men will stand up and say, I want to lead my family, I want to need uh, my family, my home, my marriage, my kids, I want to make, a, make an impact. You may never do something great out in the world, but boy, if you can put it into your kids and raise up a great generation, you have been a super dad, a super dad. Isn't that fantastic? So today we've got some uh, wonderful fathers, and uh, we know, how many know some wonderful dads here? How many know got a wonderful dad in here? There's a whole heap of wonderful dads in here. Some of them have done, uh, who are loving and protect their kids and put direction into them and spend time with them and share life with them, share experience with them. Great and wonderful dads. And uh, but there's also, we have to face, that there's uh, some dads who are absent today. And uh, there'll be people here today, and the moment we talk about father, you'll be quite hurt inside. For you, you your only concept is that of a failed dad who perhaps abandoned the family or betrayed your mother or hurt you or abused you in some kind of way. So there's a real mixture of feelings. But we can never let life experience set the standard of where we're going. We've got to build around the Word of God and come up to the standard that God says. I want to just talk a little bit about honoring dads. I want to look at two guys. One of them, uh, both of them had failed dads. Both of them had failed dads. Or both of them, there was a problem in their relationship with their dad. One of them, it ruined his life. And the other one made a decision, a quality decision, and he became a leader in his generation. So it doesn't really matter what your experience has been. You choose what it can be. You choose what the future's going to be. Amen? Let's just have a quick look in Ephesians 6 verse 2. Let me just share a principle here. Tremendous principle of life. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 2. Should just about know this. Parents should have taught this one off by heart to your kids. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may go well with you and you may live long on the earth. And then there's some words to fathers, provoke not your children to anger, bring them up in the nurture and admonition or warning or instruction of the Lord. Great thing. If you want to be a super dad, that's a verse you need to get a hold of. And let's just have a look at the whole area of honor, principle of honor. You notice here, the Bible says this is the first commandment with a promise. God gave Moses some commandments. These are literally directives, life's directive, how to make your life work. Don't steal, don't cheat, honor. And there's one here, honor your father and your mother. And uh, this is the first commandment that has a promise with it. It's a commandment that's got a twofold promise with it. One, that it may be well with you. That means that life will go well. There'll be an unusual lot of things will happen in your life, which are very positive, which wouldn't happen if you didn't honor your father and mother. He said, not only that, that, it may, that you may live a long life. So 
we see here two promises. One, that life will have a success element in it if we fulfill our condition in this promise. And two, that we will live long. In other words, we will probably won't suffer some areas of physical disease and certainly our life won't be struck short unnecessarily. We will have a time on the earth to be able to have a great influence. What great promises. Who wouldn't want to receive those promises? They're not promises that come to you automatically. They're something you've got to take hold of by faith. Here's the promise. The promise is that your life, I, I, I got another translation of it. I had it something like this in the Living Bible. It says, a long life full of blessing. How about that? A long life full of blessing. Who wouldn't want that? A long life full of blessing. And the Bible tells how to get to it. It says, honor your father and your mother. In other words, it's a principle of God that has blessing intrinsically built into it when you start to do it. And uh, so we're just looking at dad today. So the word honor means literally to fix a value on or to prize or to treat someone as being significant or special in your life. Means literally, it means something like this. It means to esteem someone to have a high value, to fix a value on them and say, this man is important to my life. This man is important to my life. And uh, so to honor, and, and honor is always revealed in your words. You know, if you've got dishonor in your heart, dishonor means to despise. It means to literally put no weight on, no value. It, hey, you're irrelevant to my life. Hey, listen, I've got my life to live. What, what you think and say has got nothing to do with me. That kind of attitude is an attitude of dishonor and despising. And so we can choose what we're going to do. Honor is something you choose to do. Honor is a gift you give. It's something you decide. You'll position yourself so God's blessing can come around your life. To honor means to put a, a, a value on. Now listen, you can always tell what's in a person's heart. It'll show in their words and it will show in what they do. If a person is full of honor, you'll always say things which honor. If your heart is full of dishonor, you'll be full of complaints and negatives and you'll be a fault finder and you'll see only the things that are wrong. It'll come out of your mouth in some kind of way. We choose to position ourselves for God to touch our life and bless us when we choose to honor fathers, when we choose to say and do things. How do you honor your dad? Well, one thing is to listen to a direction, advice. One way is to acknowledge him in your decision making and involve him in your decision making. One way is to express words of love and value to him. One way is to want to hang out and have time with him. There's a whole heap of ways you can express that honor. But essentially, it's something in the heart. And when we look at honor, honor comes to a person for three reasons. Here's reason number one. Honor comes to a person because of the position they have. So for no other reason, God calls you to honor your dad because every cell in your body's got a bit of dad in him. You dishonor him, you're unleashing something in your life which will be destructive for the rest of your life. So God calls us to honor our father because he is a source of life. He gave life. You would never have come into the earth without a dad. Part of dad's life is in you. Part of his DNA is in you. Part of who he is is in you. You'll never get it out. There's no way you can get it out. It's in every cell of your life. And so when you honor your father because he's your father, God's blessing starts to come around your life. There's other reasons we can honor people too. Here's the other two reasons. These two, are you earn these. The first one, the first one we saw, you honor a person because of position. Just because he's your dad, no other reason. The second one is because of character, what he's like, what he is as a man. Now that's one that has to be earned. The third one is because of what he's done with his life as a father and as a man. And that's got to be earned. And there's a lot of dads have disqualified themselves because of how they live their life, disqualified themselves because of their character. But even nevertheless, 
We still honor them because they're a father. You can't escape the principles of God. If you look and you say, well, my dad, you know the kind of guy he is, and he does this, he's hurt us so bad, he's done this. If we start to take that kind of line, then what happens is we remove ourselves from blessing in God. And God says, no, you've got to rise above that. And I want to show you a guy in a moment who really rose above it. Really, really rose above it. I want you to have a look in Genesis chapter 27, verse 34. Let's have someone who didn't rise above, and then we'll have someone who did. And the guy who rose above it, and really his life came into a tremendous influence and impact, is a, uh, made some significant choices. Here's one who really <coughs> lost out on something in his life. Some of you may identify. As I say, there's a mixture in today, some with really great dads and some who've got very poor dads or abandoned dads that left them, some being a violent abuser. So we've got a whole range here. So there'll be times when I'll speak to you, times when that's not for you, it's for someone else. But I want you to try and not just paint a happy picture that it's all great in fatherland. It ain't. It's a huge challenge for us in our city and in our region for men to rise up and be great fathers in their homes, to be superheroes. Someone that their kids can look up to. Because if they're not looking up to you, they're looking to someone else. They're not looking up to you, dads. They're looking to someone else. I want you to see here, it says, uh, verse 34. When Esau heard the words of his father, uh, Genesis 27, 34, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry. And he said to his father, bless me, even me also, O my father. And, his, and he said to him, your brother came with subtly and has taken away your blessing. Now, the thing is, in the story here is there's a father and he has two sons, a son called uh, Esau, a son called Jacob. Esau is the eldest one. And uh, in Bible times, and very much to, still right through to today, a father would release blessing upon his sons. In the Bible, a father's blessing is extremely important. And it's important for this reason, that when a child is growing up, they're attached very strongly and bonded to their mother. But as they grow further into the teenage years and they begin to prepare for life, it is very important that a father be vitally involved, not only in the young areas, but especially in the teen areas, to lay certain things into their children. When a father is not present or doesn't function right or doesn't do what is needed during the teen years, there is a setback to that child's life, which can take them a lifetime to get over. And I'll share with you just exactly some things that a father can do. Makes him a super dad if he's even doing about three out of the five. But if he's doing five out of five, well, he should have a cape and he should be able to fly because he really is flying. So I'm going to share with you those five things in a moment. They were present in the life of Jesus Christ and it's possible for every one of us to receive and to be blessed and to function in those things. But in the Bible, a father's blessing meant that he spoke prophetically and there was supernatural power given which was imparted to his sons or his daughters that actually had impact and influence right through their life. In the Bible, a blessing or a cursing is usually words which are spoken or words which are written, which are charged with power. So when godly men, men connected to God, spoke words over their sons, those words had the power to charge their life and release the potential that was in their sons. And so in the Bible, men of God would speak prophetically over their sons and speak into their lives something concerning their prophetic destiny. All men need to have a sense of destiny, need to have a sense of purpose, a vision, something in life to stand up and fight for. 
I was uh, at a Promise Keepers speaking in Tauranga yesterday, and uh, we watched a little video clip, uh, What's Wrong with the Church? Why Men Hate Church? And they, they said, basically, a man's wired to win. And then they showed all the skills you've got to have in a church meeting, typically, and uh, why women come up, hands up, and every one of them, and men don't come up so hot, you know? And uh, so why, this is why men don't like church. I said, well, they should have really been here today. And this was a real man's thing, this one. This was just awesome. And you see those guys there, just get the... <laughs> powered up, ready to compete. That's typical of a male. This is what God's put into man. Wired us up for a challenge or something. So you notice here in this young man here, what had happened is that his brother deeply wanted the blessing. The younger brother, Jacob, valued spiritual blessing. A lot of people don't value spiritual things. A lot of people think, oh, yeah, no, just all that really matters. Don't get into the religious thing too much. Don't get into God stuff too much. Listen, you get sound wisdom around you. You think straight. Just get to look after yourself and just begin to work your life out and whatever. But listen, the Bible tells this guy of Jacob, he, he understood what it meant to have God's blessing in his life. And he understood if you wanted to really make your life count for something, what you needed was the hand of God on your life. And he so coveted, he even tricked his father into giving it to him instead of to his brother. That's how much. And you know what the Bible says of, of concerning God's attitude? He said, Jacob, I loved. I don't like the way he went about it, but I still love him because he's got a passion for things which have eternal value. And Esau, well, Esau didn't care too much about it until he lost it or until it was withheld from him. But when the father's blessing was withheld with him, the Bible says when he became aware, aware of it, I want you to look what it says. It says he cried or he literally he screamed out loud with grief and frustration and he cried a great exceeding and bitter cry. When fathers fail to bless their children, when fathers fail to release into their children what the Bible calls the father's blessing, then what happens is there is something goes wrong and malfunctions in their life. There is a tremendous vacuum in the life of a son or a daughter when their father fails to understand what he's called by God to do, what he's empowered by God to do, and actually doesn't do it. And when he doesn't do it, there's a huge brokenness comes in to the heart and the life of a child. And, and kids react in different ways. It says here, this is what he did, verse 41. He hated his brother because of the blessing the brother had. And he purposed in his heart, I'm going to kill him. That's how much the blessing meant to him when it was taken away from him. His whole life became consumed with bitterness and anger. I, I, I picked up a, a, a thing, probably I call the six Ds, the, the way people go when the Father's blessing is taken away from them. There are a number of ways we respond, and we can respond these ways and we can respond differently. I, I call these all fairly destructive. Here's how people respond when their father is not involved, doesn't spend time or presence with the kids, doesn't correct them, doesn't spend time inputting to their life, doesn't speak potential over them, or when the father is just plumb abusive, there's a number of things that come and begin to develop because something the child needed, like food for the soul and spirit, was taken away. Something malfunctions. This is the kind of thing you have. Uh, number one, people get detached. They just get remote and disconnected. There'd be some of you here, and I, and I know who you are, and you're, you're detached in your family life. And the real issue is you've got issues with your dad. But you don't have to make that thing that your dad did or didn't do come into the next generation. Why don't you stand up and say, I'm going to be different. I have to live my life 
in poverty. I don't have to live my life deprived. God's got a way of getting me what I need to be a different kind of dad. Here's another thing kids, some, some people do is they become driven. They literally become driven. They're, they're driven by this intense thing. I've got to somehow prove my worth. You know, if it was put into them when they were younger, they'd never have to do it. Now their whole life is driven and consumed and consumed and they, they become workaholics. Some of you here are workaholics. And you're workaholics because a father's blessing wasn't present in your life and now you're driven. And I want you driven. You're driven still trying to please your dad. I've known men, their dad had long died and they were still trying to please dad. And their lives are driven. And in fact, what they don't see is the drivenness inside is coming out of brokenness because the Father's blessing wasn't there. And you need to face that, need to deal with that kind of stuff. There's other people and they become dependent. All their relationships are dependent. Now because their dad was absent, now all the kind of relationships they form are dependent. They're leaning on, someone's got to come through for me. They get a kind of a victim culture. The world owes me something. You've got to come through for me. Listen, that's dysfunctional. That's not the way God intended us to, to function. Another way that people become is they become demanding or dominating of others, become controlling, trying to get security that they should have had earlier on, developed in their life through the words of a father and the influence of a father. Some become desperate with despair and depression and rejection. There's some of you here like that. You carry stuff around in your life. And it comes because there was no father input, because the father you had couldn't or wouldn't or whatever. It doesn't really matter why. you just got to face, hey, something's missing in my life, and God has got it available for me, and I can change, and the next generation can be influenced by my decisions to change. I can break out of that cycle of defeat. And finally, some dads, some guys just become destructive. They just become destructive of themselves or destructive of others. Listen, you go into jails, you find out one of the most common distinctives between of guys in prison is an absence of a father who shaped their life and blessed them. See, we're made for this. Jesus lived his whole life out of a relationship with the heavenly father. He, he pointed out the whole need for father. So we see one guy. Now, here's what this guy did. When the father's blessing was withheld from him, what he did was became bitter and decided he'd kill his brother. He became destructive. Here's another guy. Why don't you quickly look at this guy here with me in Genesis 34. Uh, sorry, well, look at this one. Is found uh, in uh, 2 Chronicles 34. 2 Chronicles 34. Now, this guy here also had a bad deal when he started, but boy, did he make a different choice. Why well, do you see what he did? 2 Chronicles chapter 34. So wherever you've come from, the future's still good if you make the right choices. We're not responsible for what anyone else did, but we are responsible for what we do. And we can build a great generation of dads and fathers. We can build families that are different to the families that were raised up around us. We can be part of the answer. Look at this guy here. Uh, in, Gen in 2 Chronicles chapter 34, it says, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned in Jerusalem for 31 years. Notice these two things here. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in the ways of David his father, declined not to the right hand or the left. And in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began, that's 16, he began to seek after the God of David his father. And then in the 12th year, that's about when he's 20, he began to purge Judah of all the idolatry. Now, get this guy here. His natural father was an idol worshiper and an occult practitioner. His father corrupted the whole nation with evil. His father was responsible for child sacrifices. His father was responsible for evil in the nation. In fact, for about 50 years, there hadn't been a godly leader in the nation. And this young man, Josiah, is born into the nation at a time when family is broken down, when fatherhood is broken down, when there's all kind of evil. But listen, the circumstances around him 
him did not determine what his future was. His future was determined by two things. One, God had a plan for his future. And two, he aligned himself with that plan. Notice some of the things that this man did. He refused to be like his dad. He literally decided, I've got a dad and my dad hasn't done so good, but I don't need to let that determine where my life goes. He did not allow himself to be corrupted by the things that were in his father's life where his father had failed. He didn't look at those as an excuse. Well, that's why I am. Listen, this is what the Bible says. It says, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord and followed the footsteps of David, his father. This is what he did. He found a refuge in an eternal God. He said, I might've been raised in a bad time, but there's a God who's a father to people. There's a God who gives hope to people. And I I will find my refuge in him. I will not use what happened on earth as an excuse for what's going to be in my life. Number one, he found a refuge in God. Number two, he found a godly model to follow. Notice what it says. He walked in the way of David, his father. Listen, David lived 300 years before this man. So what did he do to walk? Why did he call David his father? This is, it was a spiritual father. He looked at David and he said, this man is a model for me of what it is to walk with God and make your life count for eternity. And I'm going to follow. I'm going to study everything I can about the life of David. I'm going to learn about his attitudes. I'm going to learn about his lifestyle. I'm going to learn about the kind of things he did. And I'm going to be a man just like that. Friend, everyone needs a hero. He had a hero. This is his hero, King David. He looked at the life of David. He looked at David's choices. He looked at David's struggles and how he handled himself. And he said, I'm going to model my life and follow in the ways of David. I'm going to be a man of prayer. I'm going to be a man who believes God. I'm going to be a man of destiny. I will walk in the ways David walked and I'll experience the blessing David had on his life. Now, that's a great thing. You can say, well, I got a bad deal. Hey, listen, this guy got a bad deal too, but he just made a different choice to you. He decided not to be defiled by the bad deal. He decided to release and forgive and let it go and that he would find refuge in God and find someone in the Bible who could be a model for him. You know, remember this guy lived 300 years before him, but he found in him a hero. People need a hero, need someone who's, who you can look up to, someone who did something you haven't yet done. You can say, oh, yes, that's my hero. Of course, the Bible makes clear that there's a hero that every one of us can have. I want you to have a look. His name's called Jesus Christ. It's found in Luke chapter 3. I want you to see something about Jesus. Then there's something I want to show you about the blessing. And every one of us can come into that blessing. We don't have to live broken. We don't have to live regretful. We don't have to live uh, in, the, in, the, in the shadows of our past. We can actually make a decision about being different in the future. Look what it says of Jesus. It says in Luke chapter 3, it says in verse 22, Jesus was praying and the heavens opened. It says, the Holy Ghost came on him in a bodily shape like a dove and a voice came from heaven which said, you are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. One of the things that characterized Jesus' life was this. He understood and experienced what it meant to walk in the blessing of of God as a father. See, a lot of people can pray and call God. They talk to God. He never called him that. He called him father. He, he experienced and enjoyed a relationship with him as father. And out of that relationship, he received a father's blessing. There are five aspects of a father's blessing. What a father can do that no one else can do. 
you're a father here today, you have power to do this or power to withhold it. If you withhold it, the effects will be destructive. If you impart it, the effects will bring blessing. You say, well, I haven't done it. Well, you can start to do it now. These are some of the things which make a father's blessing. They're not all found in this passage, but I'll just give them to you. Number one, you notice it says the Spirit of God came upon him. He became touched personally. He personally experienced the touch of God on his life. One of the first things about a father's blessing is to touch your kids, to connect with them, to touch them, to love them, to hug them, to hold on to them. I don't know where you get the staunch male thing. Jesus hugged people. He held children. He wept over his friends. The staunch male comes out of Clint Eastwood films. It's not a real character. It's part of the Kiwi society, part of that reserve English thing, not to connect and to love and to touch. But, you know, kids need you to touch them, to connect with them. Often a little kid who's in a real fizzy fit or whatever, you touch them, you can quieten it down. Just touch has a huge impact. You can touch your children while they're in the womb just by laying hands and praying for them in the womb. You can touch your children as they grow up and handle them. You connect with them, hold them. Touch is an important part. When kids are withheld from touch, they go crazy. Even animals, if you don't pet them, go crazy. Touch is absolutely important part of blessing. To touch means you connect with them. You'd be amazed how many times in Jesus' ministry, remember he came to reveal what the Father is like, how he touched people. He just touched them, put his hands on them, touched them. He touched people who were unlovely because touch communicates blessing. Touch communicates life to people. Don't be so staunch you can't hug. Don't be so staunch you can't put your arms around your kids and tell them you, don't, you love them. Why would you not do that? Well, well, that's not me. I'm not. Yeah, listen, change. You, you're a malfunctioner. How do we know you're malfunctioning? Because you don't function like God functions. God touches people. God still today touches people who are open to him. If we will let him, he'll touch us. And a touch of God just changes your life. When God touches, well, we worship so we can have God touch us. That's why we open our hearts and we expressive in our prayer. We want to position ourselves for God to touch us. Of all the things that changed my life, is to feel the touch of God. It still does. In the midst of all the difficulties in life, you know one of the things you can do, just sometimes when people are going through real trouble, a hard time, you may not have any words to say, but you can at least put your arm around them, hug them and touch them. It just does something. It breaks the loneliness and disconnection. So touch is a really important part of Father's blessing. Second one is words, words spoken. You notice the Father spoke words. You know, we've got to speak into our children. The strong, silent male type, that's another malfunctioner. Hello, someone threw a spanner in the works and you malfunction. You're not functioning as God intended. God, relationships are built with words. We've got to learn to speak words that go into the hearts of our, our wives and into the hearts of our children. What a great dad that'll touch his kids and hold his kids, be involved with his kids, and speak words into them of encouragement, words of direction, words of correction. You've got to speak words. How can you not speak words? Words are like, uh, words to the soul are like food to the body without words. You know, and, and I, look and I look at the malfunctions I've had in my life, and I've had heaps of them, heaps of them. And I can track all of them back to the withholding of a father's blessing, every one of them and the hurt it produced, and the difficulties of breaking out of that cycle uh, that I talked about, the destructive six Ds. I've experienced all of them. It's what happens when the father can't touch you, or there's something broken in his life, but God can do this. God can touch us, and God will speak words to us. The greatest things you'll ever hear are God's words. You know, I've taught people to hear the voice of God. You know what, they, you know what he tells them almost every time? 
I've had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. You know, the first words they hear when you position them to hear God, I love you, son. I love you, daughter. Words. Words. Eh? Another thing that a father does is he expresses value. Notice he said, this is my beloved son and you I am well pleased. Value. Value. We need value. We need to feel our lives are valuable to someone because the world tears away all significance and value. So we need to feel a sense of value. God gives value. Your father gives you value. He talks to you how much he loves you, how much he values you, how, how good you are, what you can do. See, a father will do that because that's part of blessing your children. You've got to speak that they're a value. You're important to me. The world doesn't treat you important, but you're important to me, and I'm interested in you. When you start to speak words like that, it does something inside the heart of kids. It really does something inside them. Speak words of value, words of affirmation, words that encourage them. And uh, Jesus constantly received words from the Father. Constantly the Father was talking to him. Constantly the Father was telling him. In fact, this is what Jesus said about his ministry. I've shared with my disciples the words you talk with me. Think about it. Words. Here's another two things. Uh, another thing is destiny, prophetic destiny. Jesus, uh, uh, it says in, in, in John 5, verse 20, says, The Father loves the Son, shows Him all things. So the Father invested not only in love and affection, touch and words, but actually one of the roles of a father is to help their kids discover the real reason they're here on this earth and what they're called to do. One of the greatest things you can put into your children as a father is vision. 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 That your life has got a destiny, an eternal destiny, and you're not here to fill your t life in just just day to day. You're here to accomplish something great. So you want to put vision in it. All the things you can give your kids, one of the best things you can give them is a vision for their future, that you could become something. And uh, this, I never had any of those things. And so I found that there was just like this thing, this wrestling between trying to break out of living for the moment and living for something bigger and longer. And the thing that made the difference was getting touched by God and starting to look out into eternity. See, your father puts vision, prophetic vision. So you need to see over our, some of our, over our kids who have spoken in the verse, are oh, you good at that? Man, you really got this in you. You're great at that. You could do that. And, uh, and, but without those words, and often we don't say them often enough, but those words start to shape where a son or daughter goes. They're like, they're like water into the dry ground. See, fathers are called to do that. This standing back and being called and aloof and distance is absolutely dysfunctional. It's not God. It's not how you build a family. Dads, we can do much better than that. See, imagine if you were to just start to connect with your kids, touch them, speak words into them, start to express value, start to talk about their future, guide them and direct them. There's a lot of, I, I can't believe how many parents today are just waiting for their kids to get off their hands. Hello? When do they get off your hands? You're not thinking intergenerationally. You're thinking about copping out. You need to be thinking, you're their parent for all the rest of their life. You'll always have something. It'll just vary what you can put into their life. And finally, the last one is commitment. Commitment to be there. I'm with you, and I believe in you. You know, one of the things that Jesus said in the midst of the greatest pressures in his life in John 16, he said, I'm not alone. My Father is with me. So one of the things that gave him security. See, a lot of people today are so insecure, they've got to run around trying to get everyone to bolster them up and looking for someone to come through for them. But one thing that gives security is to know, my dad is here. Dad's with me. Does something for you. Dad is with me. Dad's here. He's going to help me. You see, that's actually how Jesus lived his life. He lived his life completely under the Father's blessing. He lived his life feeling the presence of God, hearing the words of God, having God speak about the future and tell him the things to come, 
having God speak value into his life and affirm him for what he was doing and having God tell him, I'm with you. It's okay. You can do all this. Imagine what it's like to live in a culture where everyone's anti you. Everywhere you've got people around you trying to kill you. And, and in the middle of that, you can be quite calm and secure. He did it because of the Father's blessing. And that same Father's blessing is for you and me. Let's just finish with one last verse, then I'll finish up. John chapter 17, verse 26. John 17 and verse 26. He said, I've declared to them, the disciples, what you are like, your name. And I will still make it known. Now, this is what Jesus said. I have made known what God as a father is like. So you read how Jesus carried on with people, how he treated them. That's what a dad is like. That's what a father is like. That's what God's like. And he said, so that the love you have loved me may be in them. Now think about this. God loved Jesus Christ. He does still love him. He's honored him tremendously, given him a name above every name. There's no way into heaven except through Jesus. Listen, Jesus said, the same love God's got for me, he has also for you. The same way I walk my life, you can walk your life. See, Jesus grew up in a situation with a stepfather. He grew up in a situation with a reproach over his life where everyone called him illegitimate. He grew up as a refugee. He grew up in hardship, but he accessed the blessing of a supernatural God, an out-of-the-ordinary God who says, I want you to be my children, and I want to father you, and I have a destiny for you. If you will let me have access to your heart, I will touch you with my presence continually. I will speak words into your life. I will affirm you and encourage you. I will talk about destiny to you, and I'll be there with you right all the way through. Can you imagine a generation of men beginning to stand up and walk in that blessing of God? It doesn't matter what went before us, we choose how the future will be. We can choose to walk with God like young Josiah did. Josiah made a choice. He said, listen, I could be bitter. I could complain about the past. I could be messed up about the past. But he said, I'm just going to forgive dad. I'm going to release it and let it go. And I found a hope in God. And I found a destiny in God. And I found someone that God touched before me that I can model my life on and begin to walk just like he walked. And Josiah became a great reformer in his generation. See, we all need someone. I want you just to close your eyes and bow your heads. How can you access that blessing of God? Very, very simply. You need to release and let go of the past. You need to let it go with all its hurts. You need to reach out. Jesus said if you, to everyone who received him, he gave power to become a child of God. Everyone who received Christ, who believes on him, he gives you the right to access God as your father. And then we need to position ourselves for God's blessing in our life. Today, I want to just ask this question. Is there anyone here, you're not yet a Christian? You've never given your life to Jesus Christ. You're a good person, do the best you can. But as I've spoken today, you're so very aware there's something missing in my life. I've just done the best I can, but I'm walking without the blessing of God. I'm walking without the blessing of a heavenly Father. I'm cut off from Him because I've lived an independent life. But today, I'm willing to open my heart for the touch of God, for words from God, for blessing from God. Jesus said, I'm the way to that, to everyone who receives me, everyone who will lean and trust upon me. I will give them the power to become a child of God. What a great privilege. You're sitting here today. If you're really honest in life, you realize that you're, you're not connected personally with God. You're still living out of your own resources. Today you say, I want to change. Whether it's a man or a woman, it doesn't really matter who it is. 
I want my life to change. I want the challenge of knowing and walking with God, becoming a person who has influence on the next generation. Is that you? Why don't you just raise your hand and say, that's me. Just raise your hand. Say, I want to become a Christian today. I want to give my life to Jesus. Is that you today? Just put your hand up. Say, that's me. God bless over there. See, any other guy? Anyone else here? Come on, what are you going to impart to your family? What will you give to them? What legacy will you leave? It's a very powerful thing. Is there anyone else here today? I need to come to Jesus Christ. I want us to follow you to follow me in this prayer. We're just going to pray a prayer together. A very simple prayer. It's a prayer to open the life to Jesus Christ. It's a prayer to trust Him, to do what you can't do in your own strength. Bring the life of God to you. Mike, you just all follow me in this prayer. It's called the sinner's prayer. Father in heaven, I come to you in Jesus' name. I thank you for loving me. I thank you for sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross for my sins. Lord, I've lived an independent life without you. Today I turn to you. I turn away from sin. I turn away from an independent life. And I turn to you. I receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. I receive forgiveness for all of my sins. I receive your love and life into my heart. And Lord, I give you my life today. I thank you that according to your word, I can call God my Father. And live in the blessing of God. Lord, thank you today. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I just thank you for your presence here today. Thank you for great dads in our midst. Father, I thank you for a whole new generation of new dads rising up that love you, love your word, love your ways and are great examples to their kids. Lord, let their influence ever increase. Father, I pray for those today here whose lives are broken because of the failure of a dad, that, Lord, great healing would come into their heart and life, that, Lord, blessing would come upon them. If that's you today, perhaps you're here and, and uh, your life has been broken because of the absence of a father, this is what I'm going to do. What I'd like is for you just to come forward, make your way to the front over this side over here. I'm going to get some dads to come and lay hands on you and just to pray God's love and blessing. I want you to release forgiveness. Let go of the things that got into your heart. Just open yourself. No matter what you've experienced, the future's better when you decide to listen and walk with God. There's people today and you've come out of a family and there's a brokenness or a wounding just in relationship to your dad. Why don't you get up and just come up the front now? I can feel it in my spirit. There's quite a few like that. Why don't you just come? Just come. Come on. Just come. Come on. There's others need to come too. There's others need to come. There are quite a few young people will do that. And, but there's older ones as well. Why don't you just come? This is Father's Day, so why not have a Father's blessing? Regardless of where your father's at or what's happened, you can still be touched by the love and the presence of God. See the Father's blessing, the love and presence of God. Come on. There's others need to come. 
It's not a reproach on your family. It's just saying, I, I need God today to touch me. I just need the blessing of my Father in heaven. I need him to come and touch me. Come on, as others need to come. You just come right now. Just come. 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 The presence of God is here to touch you. We're not going to have a long ministry session. We just want to lay hands on you for the love of the Father to touch you. I can remember one young woman and, you know, I, I was talking with her. She's not ever been in our church. She couldn't possibly know her. But uh, we went down to just speak into the family situation. I found something that really grieved me. She was deeply wounded. Her father had abandoned her mother for a man. And just the depth of wounding in her heart. And God came and touched that girl. He can touch everyone's life. Are there any others today? Carrying that sense in your heart where you just need the touch of God. What if I get some of the particularly guys in my group? I need some fathers to come up who are just in God. I want you to come, lay hands, just release blessing upon each of these young ones here and some of the not so young ones as well. I want you to do that now. Just come up, come in front of them and stand there and give them a hug. Just lay hands on them and bless them.